Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Hey, S. Hey, P. How's it going? I am drinking some wine. I am feeling good. <laughs> Me too. I'm drinking. So I've tried this for the, this is the first time I'm ever trying this. It's a Basque white tea, passion fruit, hard sparkling water. Oh, okay. It's good. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm so distracted all of a sudden. Is it my beauty? Like the, yeah, I'm just distracted by your face. I'm just not really into those drinks, like the fruity fruities, the sparkly sparklies, you know, just not my thing. I honestly would, I honestly would rather have like a shot of whiskey on the rocks. We are so different. It's not that I'm into the fruity fruity, but this is like almost like a white claw, you know? So it's like, it's got that, it's not sweet, but it's like a seltzer. Well, I support you in your alcoholic beverage uh, decisions, but I'm just going to stick with my wine. Actually, shout out to this winery. They're, it's called 13th, 13th Street Winery. They're located in Niagara St. Catharines region. Shout out Niagara St. Catharines. And their wine is delicious. And they're just a great time. Shout out. Shout out. Support local. Shop small. <laughs> um, are we celebrating anything? Yes, we are. Because guess what? It's your birthday? It is your birthday, you Aries gal. <laughs> I love a good fire sign energy. You are such a fire sign. Yeah, I really am a fire sign. If there's any other fire signs out there, um, let me know if you also agree with your sign. And also just like I agree with the fact that I'm an Aries. You are. And it makes me laugh because I've I've done research on this because Sarah and I have been in love for seven years. But yeah, um, yeah. And we're compatible. We are. Like, not us, but Aries and Libras. Yeah, we're not compatible anymore because of some difficulties we've gone through over the past year. That's another story. Yeah, we don't need to, we don't need to talk we about don't need, it live yeah. on the podcast, you know? It's fine. We won't get into it. I'm still a little hurt, but... Um, I'm bitter. I'm bitter. I'm bitter. Yeah, me. Bitter. But because... You just blew up my eardrum. Me? Yeah, you yelled. Sarah, my voice is so soft. No, you yelled, Bitter! <laughs> <laughs> okay, true. But Aries and Libras are actually like opposite zodiac signs. So that's why they're also so compatible. It's like Libras mm. on one side of the spectrum, and then Aries is on the other side. Which I find to be pretty true for us. Like we're pretty much exact opposites, but also like we also have so much common ground. So is that... Is that normal for Libras and Aries who are opposite sides of the spectrum to also have like all these commonalities? I don't know. Let's ask. 
Aries, Libra's okay. in the crowd. In the in crowd. crowd. In the crowd. I do think opposites attract. I think so too, but I wonder what the astrology is behind that. You know what? It'd be really cool to have an astrologist on here to That's... talk about like us, uh, us. <laughs> to talk about our relationship? <laughs> to talk about our relationship because it's been a while and like I still feel like I don't have closure. Me neither. So we, we're going to get an astrologer on here. So also the audience can finally understand what is going on between yeah. us. Yeah, I want to understand. So I'm sure they do. <laughs> yeah, totally. It would also be really fun to have a psychic on. So if there's any psychics listening, how cool? That'd be so cool. If we had Raven Simone. Raven Simone. Yeah, Raven. Raven. Raven Baxter, I thought. Raven Baxter. Sorry, my bad. Well, I bet you Raven Simone is psychic too. I bet you she just like became psychic from her character. And that's probably that's what happens. It's method, method acting. You can gaze into to the future. Why do I feel like we've already sung that on a past episode? Have we? We have. <laughs> We're a little obsessed. It's fine. So embarrassing. Hey, Raven, if you're listening, like we've sung the theme song twice. We want that psychic reading. We want to... Oh, also, Raven is queer. Come on the pod, girl. Come on the pod. Yeah, Raven, come on the pod. This is all... If you don't know what girl on girl is, this is what we're all about. What, queerness? Yes. Do you remember... Obviously, you remember, but I'm saying this more for the for the crowd. Um, do you guys remember when Raven, Eddie, and Chelsea... Those aren't their real names, <laughs> except for Raven all had an interview where they admitted that they basically all hooked up the entire time they were filming that's how raven like all three of them just like at different points hooking up with each other raven and chelsea chelsea and eddie eddie and raven yeah guys why is it so silent do you remember <laughs> i know that was a really awkward silence guys like i don't <laughs> I don't understand why you left me hanging like that. Does anyone also remember, and Purse, you got to drop the clip in here in case anyone doesn't know what we're talking about. Because I feel like when I bring this up, a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? The guy who played Eddie, his name is Orlando Brown. He is also a rapper. And he did an interview with someone where they asked about Raven. And his response was unforgettable i can't even explain to you what it is purse just drop the clip here and they can experience it for themselves and i think that's the only way we can preface this i told you in the first interview i mean she gave me and then i gave her some okay purse what did you think of that uh what did you think of that clip i got a little bit like uncomfy but i'm also like you know what if this is you your dynamic cool great love it i'm uncomfortable i'm just gonna say it and i think the world was too but what yeah i mean for sure for sure i don't care i don't care that they hooked up i just don't know why he felt the need to say it in that way anyway what a throwback what are we talking about today so in honor of our seventh episode sarah and i were talking about this and we want to talk about our favorite or our top seven queer movies of all time. Lucky number seven, baby. Purse, we love movies. We watch movies all the time. <laughs> we have probably watched, like, how many movies do you think we've watched together? Probably, like, over 200 by this point. Even more. Yeah, yeah. I would say, like, 500s. We watch a lot of movies. Sometimes we have nights where we watch three movies. That's true. Would you consider yourself... A movie buff? Oh my god. It's funny that you say that because I told my friends in high school that I was a movie buff and they laughed at me 
they lolled. What? Why? Because I said it like, I'm a movie buff. Like, I love movies. So why is that funny? <laughs> I don't know. Let's ask them. I'm still confused to this day as to why you everyone laughed at me. I think, you know, no, I actually think you are a movie buff. And I think there's a difference between a movie buff and a cinephile. A cinephile is like, they, movies are their, are their world. Like, they know movies. They watch movies as far back as like the 30s. You know what I mean? Like, they're in the movie universe deeply. But I feel like I would qualify you as a movie buff and me too. We, we like keep up with what's happening in the movie world. We pay a lot of attention to how movies are made, the behind the scenes people, the behind the scenes processes. We care a lot about the meaning behind movies. We don't just go to the movie for like a fun experience. We actually talk about it after. We think about it after. We come back to it. We read the books behind the movies. Like I think we're movie buffs. Totally agree. And I think it's more like, it's not like I come into a movie knowing all these facts. I'm not like a fact thrower, like this, this, this. I just enjoy movies so much. It's just the enjoyment. I love it. And like you said, I, I do research, I, especially if I'm obsessed with movie, I'll do research on it. So yeah, maybe I, I do qualify in the movie buff category. Ladies, my girls from high school. Ladies. Yeah. Listen, ladies, I'm, I'm surprised by this. Okay. So we, today we're going to break down our seven favorite queer movies. These are in no particular order, just to preface. These are just seven movies we love. Some of them are my favorites. Some of them are Persis's favorites. And some of them are our combined faves. Some of them are pretty obvious. Some of them are a little more surprise, surprise, but regardless, they're our favorite queer films. Amen. I'm into this. I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. I can't wait to like discuss this with you. Me too. I love these movies. Um, preface, uh, there's two of these movies I haven't seen that are Persis's faves. So she's going to lead the way on those ones and I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. We're ready. Tell them what the number one movie is. Okay, but also not our number one movie, but just the first movie we're going to talk about. Exactly. Just a top movie. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. What's oh I wanted to almost like mimic the like really intense music like you know what I think you should do I think you should not do that Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Guys, this movie, honestly, you might be surprised to hear this purse, but this actually might be my number one. I know it's the first movie we're talking about, but it might be my number one. This movie came out in 2019, so it's one of the newest films on the list. It is a French historical romantic drama film written and directed by Céline Sciamma. Guys, I might be pronouncing all of this wrong, just a heads up. It's also starring Naomi Merlin and Adèle Enel. Also, pronunciations, question marks all around. Um, And the movie is set in France in the late 18th century. And basically, it just tells the story of an affair between an aristocrat and a painter commissioned to paint her portrait. And I remember the moment when I saw this movie and how I felt after. And I think that's exactly like what made it so important to me because I couldn't stop thinking about it for at least like a few days. I was telling everyone I knew Go see Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah, so this was one of those movies where there was all this hype for me leading up to it. Like, everyone had told me, 
like you said, you got to go see Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I knew it, I just knew it was going to be good. So I was so freaking excited to go finally see it. And yeah, it was incredible. I agree. It just stuck with me for days. Like, honestly, I still think about it every now and then. I think I've seen it twice now, maybe three times. It's like the perfect mix of like beautiful and heartbreaking. And you know your girl loves a historical drama. Like put me in a period piece, put me in a corset and a gown. You know I'm already there. So this had all the makings of like my all my favorite things in one movie. And then it delivered. Yes. And the music, the chemistry between the two women was undeniable. I was like trapped in it was like one of those movies that actually like sucked me in I was like I am in it I'm in their story I am like the fly on the wall just really really you know listen guys we might be giving away some spoilers just a heads up to anyone who maybe hasn't seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire yeah spoiler alerts for all of these movies the chemistry between the characters Eloise and Marianne I was like this is beautiful and it was done in such a way that also felt very authentic. Don't you feel? Yeah. It was so realistic. I, yeah. I think something that comes up in a lot of these movies for me is authenticity. And the thing that puts these movies over the edge and puts them on this list for me from in many of these cases is that the relationship is so believable. And I think in a lot of classic romantic films – it's hard to get that chemistry. If the chemistry's there, it works. If the chemistry's not there, it usually doesn't work. And these films, especially Portrait of a Lady, are it's more than chemistry. It's not even just like, oh, these two girls have good chemistry. It's like, there's a connection there that exactly like you said, it feels like you're a fly on the wall. It feels like you're watching a, a real love story unfold. And I think that's even more impressive considering that this is set in the late 18th century. So mm-hmm. this this is like the definition of a period piece. They have to do everything by candlelight. Their love is strictly forbidden. Like there is it, there is no world where they could be together in this time that they live in. So in this movie, Marianne, who plays the painter, she is a woman who works, which is extremely rare in this time period. And it's something that Eloise really admires. She wants to be free. She wants to be independent. But she's being married off to a man in Paris, I think. Or no, wasn't it Italy? It was Italy. Okay, yeah. I think it might be... I hope I'm not wrong, but I feel like it was like she was going to be going to Florence. Yeah. And the mom was so excited to be like, she's going to Florence. Yeah, she's she's getting married off to some European man. And I mean, she's she's also French, so she's European as well. But... um... Anyway, the point is, she immediately, you can tell that she is like envious of Marianne and this life she has where she gets to be a painter. She gets to travel around and paint people's portraits. And it's a little bit of a lonely life, but it's a free life. And I think that it just shows how many layers this movie has. Yes, it is a romance, but it's also a movie about being a woman. And it's also it's also a movie about desire and feeling trapped, just how intricate life can be like it's it's one of those movies that makes you think that way you know what I'm saying like not a lot not a lot of movies will put you in that headspace like where you're just really thinking about life and this movie was so much more to me personally than a romance it was it was it touched my heart yep it really did too and I felt like 
everything that was happening and the authenticity was really big for me because I felt, you know, there's so many movies that can like dramatize what happens. And then it's like, that doesn't seem like realistic, but the way their relationship led up to what it was, was amazing because I was like, there were so many times where you're seeing these two characters who are acting awkward around each other. They're so weird. There's tension. You almost think they don't like each other, but I'm like, this is so clear when you have those attractions for someone and especially in a time where you're not supposed to, you're going to be acting weird. You know what I mean? And I could just sense that. And I was like, I love that they showed that it wasn't just this like, oh, all of a sudden we're like feeling each other. It was a very slow lead up. But then once it got to that point, they were already there. Like they had done the work, like all that sexual tension had like been building up. And then it was all of a sudden like, I'm oh there for you. Like we like sexual each other. Sexual tension you could cut with a knife. That was present. That was potent, I would say. And also, I don't know if we mentioned this, but it's probably important to mention for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, the entire movie is in French. So please don't let that stop you from seeing this movie. I really like what um, Bong Joon-ho said when he received his Oscar for Parasite. I don't know if you guys have seen Parasite. It's a really amazing Korean film. It's entirely in Korean. And the director in his speech when he won Best Film said that he hopes that the, you know, two millimeter barrier of a subtitle doesn't stop you from seeing these incredible movies that are in a foreign language. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but I really loved that. And I've never forgotten that quote. I think it's so easy for us to not watch foreign language films because we don't want to read the subtitles. And imagine, Pris, not watching Portrait of a Lady just because you had to read the subtitles. How much did the subtitles get in the way of your experience? Not at all. On a scale of one to 10, like negative three. (laughs) Absolutely not. But I've always felt that way about subtitles. In fact, I like subtitles. I don't, I would rather it be in subtitles in the true language it's meant to be in rather than like they dub it. So it's like, maybe I don't have to read something. Oh oh my God. I agree. I totally agree. I even remember Sarah, I'll always remember this when me and you, and I think Camille and Margot teen, we all went to the park to watch Mustang. Oh, such a good movie. Yeah. Another film where we kind of sat there not really knowing what we were getting into, totally in subtitles. I don't care. I'm, I'm in the movie. If I'm in it, I'm in it. <laughs> Doesn't matter what language you're speaking in. Yeah, so true. So, Purse, what is the best scene? Mm. There are so many options. Oh, good God. I, I have to tell you, it's the scene where they're both laying in bed together. And Marianne draws um, Eloise on page 28 like a beautiful drawing and then obviously towards the end where you find out like she in the in the actual portrait that is later taken of Eloise she's like holding the book and you can see the number 28 in the corner it's just like very it like really hits you because you're like it's such a small moment in time or it's such a small moment that you think like oh like maybe that passes by right this was just this really deep romance they had but it just shows the impact mm. and it shows the oh love. My God. Uh, <laughs> I haven't yeah, forgotten about that, that page. My favorite scene in this movie, it's almost impossible to choose, but I would actually have to say that the last scene is the one that stuck with me the most, which happens right after Mary Ann discovers that portrait of um, Eloise holding the um, book showing off the number 28, the page 28. And they both happen to be, after that point, at the orchestra. 
seeing Vivaldi's Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. And Mar- Marianne sees Eloise across across the room, but Eloise doesn't see her. And it's playing Vivaldi's Four Seasons, and it's just a long close-up shot zooming in closer and closer from Marianne's point of view all the way over to Eloise's face and she is just completely taken by this music and um earlier in the film Marianne shows Eloise Vivaldi's Four Seasons and plays it for her and kind of explains what it's all about and you can just see every emotion going through Eloise's face of this this love she had had and how it's gone but also how beautiful it was and this is going to be very um this is going to be some deja vu when we get to our next film (laughs) but that I think that for me that scene the acting the music the uh, just just the story coming together in this like beautiful mess of a bow like everything about that scene just got it like got me in the gut so um, yeah, major spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. I hope it, to anyone who hasn't seen this, I really hope you skipped over because we gave away a lot. But I, it's so it's so true. We can't talk about we can't not talk about those scenes, like yeah, especially the ending. Beautiful for sure. So, who's your favorite character in the movie? I I really have to say Eloise. Yeah, I, there's something about her. There's something about there's something about her name's Adele Anel. Once again, pronunciation, but apparently she is like the biggest thing in French cinema right now. In the moment I saw her in the film, Sarah, I was like, I'm hooked on this girl. I was like, she is beautiful. And I really loved Marianne too. Like I was drawn to her, but there was something about Eloise where I was like, I love her character. I feel like she's very realistic. She has a lot of, um, she's very scared of life in ways. You know, there's so many pressures on her. She already feels this, like, pressure from her mother to get married off. But she's also stubborn. She's stubborn and, like, headstrong. So even though she's being forced to marry, she has this, like, stubbornness and fire about her that I think we both really love. When we see a character who's got, like, a lot of, a lot of like, fiery energy, we always are really attracted to that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I've always been a person who's into that type of person, too, for sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Also, anyway. fun little side fact. After the movie or during the movie, I'm not sure, um, Adele, who played Eloise, uh, started dating the director. We should confirm this, but I want to say she dated her before. They they were dating before the movie and then um, sometime before even the filming of the movie, they broke up. That's such a lesbian thing to do. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> it's just this thing where like, it's just, they stay amicable. It's like, you can be dating, you could be in love, you could have had all these things together. Y'all are still going to be friends. It's a thing. It's a thing. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I, that's why I think I remembered. I was like, I'm pretty sure they filmed this like post breakup because they filmed a whole ass movie together after being in a relationship. That this is like a huge movie for the queer community right now, especially for gay girls. Like this, I see this movie being like memed all the time. Is that just me or like? It's, but it's, yeah, it's huge for gay girls because it is kind of fitting into the whole like how quickly they like just fell in love with each other as well. And that like whole fast like lead up to it. And I think that's what happens with a lot of women who fall in love and there there is that lesbian stereotype as well where like when you're in it with someone you're in it it's it's not really a slow progression like 
you're you're I know yeah. like the feelings with Eloise and Marianne like led up to it was a lot of like we're a little awkward around each other we're a little bit like maybe not that friendly with each other because we're still figuring it out but once you're in it it it's like a I'm doing this thing with my hands no one can see but it's like a <laughs> skyrockets I think and I think right. that's where all the memes come in right it's like they were they were in it when they knew and I think that's relatable for a lot of queer girls interesting I- I never even thought about that. It's a very like a uh, queer girl thing to go through. That's cool. I didn't even like know that was part of the part of the whole thing with the movie. I think uh, this is just one of those movies that like stands the test of time. I, I think this will be still people's favorite queer movie like down the line. You know what I mean? It just came out a few years ago, but I could see us ten years from now still being like Portrait of a Lady is is like still top tier queer movie. Okay, Sarah, Here. what is the second movie on this list? Oh, purse. The second movie on this list is Call Me By Your Name. Is there anything you don't know? Boundless by the time I cry. You only knew how little I know about the things that matter. Build your walls what things that matter? White noise, what an awful sound. You know what things. Oh, good God. I, I You're going to have to contain me. Because, purse. Okay, and anyone listening who knows me, y- you already are like laughing probably with your headphones in because you know how much I love this movie. But for anyone who doesn't know me and is listening for the first time or getting to know us, hi, my name is Sarah. I am addicted to the movie Call Me by Your Name. I saw the movie with Persis for the first time at the Tiff Bell Lightbox in Toronto, and just something changed in me. <laughs> I can't ex- I can barely explain it I don't know we'll, we'll go into it and like I guess I could explain it but it's one of those things that's hard to put into words so in case anyone hasn't seen Call Me By Your Name I'll give you a little brief overview so it came out in 2017 um, and this movie is set in the 1980s in Italy so it's like a hot Italian summer in the 80s it's based on a book by Andre Osman with the same name Call Me By Your Name Um, And basically, it's about kind of a prolific teenager named Elio. His father is a professor. Every summer, they um, invite a PhD student to come stay with them in their beautiful Italian villa to study under his father and basically work on their thesis. And this one summer, when Elio is coming of age, I think he's 17 in the um, book, a student named Oliver comes to stay for the summer and everything changes after that because they fall in love. Um, and purse, you might have to take over because I don't even know how to dive into this movie. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I remember seeing this with you and I just could see like the, the, I don't know. There was like a switch. It was like a glow. When we had left the movie, you were like glowing. It was so interesting. And I think I loved, I loved the movie. I loved the story. I loved kind of similar to a portrait of Lady on Fire where I loved how like the lead up to the characters and their love story developed felt very natural. It didn't seem forced. It didn't seem over-sexualized. It was just very real. And I loved that. And also the setting and the soundtrack to that movie. I will lay in the park and listen to the Call Me By Your Name soundtrack and be very happy, very happy in life. Don't don't contact me. I'm laying there. I guess we probably should say, and we've already started talking about this movie, but we are not going to be talking about Army Hammer in any 
way, shape, or form while we talk about this movie. We're just going to talk about the film and how much we love it, but I thought I should probably mention that in case anyone was thinking it. But yeah, Army Hammer plays Oliver, the PhD student who comes to visit the villa for the summer, and then Elio is played by Timothy Chalamet. And you all know who Timothy Chalamet is, so I'm not even going to go into it. I know Sarah wants to go into it, though, a little bit. Listen, I could, I could, I could go on forever about this movie. Like, there is no limit. Timothy Chalamet, specifically. Well, yeah. The limit does not exist for any of the above. The reason why I'm so weird about this movie, and me and Persis have talked about this, is because I've watched a million romantic films in my life. I love romance. I love romantic movies. I love rom-coms. I have never, ever watched a romantic movie and felt the feeling of being in love until I watched this movie. And it, me and Purse have talked about this. My experience of being in love is is me, a woman, and being in love with a man. And the only movie that has ever made me feel that feeling, what it really feels like to be in love, is a movie about love between two men. I love I that. Think, I, I think like the core of that is obviously it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's a man and a man, a woman, a woman, non-binary, whatever, that love is love and you can feel it no matter what. Obviously that's the core message, but I do think it's interesting as someone who grew up straight and in a straight world that I would feel this so strongly from a movie about two boys who are just in love with each other. But also I think the beautiful thing about the movie is it's not necessarily like a gay struggle story. Like they're kind of in this beautiful little world in this Italian villa in this 1980 summer where they can just kind of do whatever and be whatever and it's okay. Uh, the character Elio, played by Timothy Chalamet, actually has another like side relationship with a girl who lives um, in the town. So there's all sorts of, it's like a very sensual movie and there's lots of stuff happening and it's not really, I don't know. Black and white. It's not black and white. There's no like, there's, it's not like him realizing I am gay and this is wrong. It's so much more nuanced than that. It's so much more just like feeling, just feeling everything. And you know when you're 17 and you can feel everything. It's so much more about that. And then there's this beautiful scene at the end with um, Elio and his father, played by Michael Stuhlbarg, where he gives this iconic speech that I always I always see the speech referenced in like gay Instagram and stuff. But um, he gives the speech about how important it is to feel and how we lose feeling as we grow older. And, and it's much more um, beautiful than what I just said. But the, honestly, the whole movie is just about like lust and feeling it. That's what I felt when I was watching. I felt everything they were feeling when I was watching it. No, I think that's beautiful. And I think one thing I did want to talk about a little bit was just like the fluidity aspect, you know? Like I I like that how it wasn't so black and white or Elio being like, I love um, Oliver. And, but then he also has this relationship with, what's her name? What's her name? Marnie? Marcia, Marcia. So I I loved that aspect that, you know, Elio is kind of having his own thing with Marcia and he's a teenager. He's figuring it out. It wasn't so black and white to be like, but wait a minute, I all, but maybe I'm gay because I'm really liking um, Oliver. I think it was, it just told a love story. It was like, exactly like you just said, Sarah, these are feelings. I'm feeling this thing for this person and who cares? Maybe Elio has a label. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe Oliver has a label. Maybe he doesn't. But we just got, as an audience, got to experience it in this whole way and in such an authentic way 
that was real. It was life. That's what was happening at that time. It was no, it wasn't like we're committed. I feel this for you, but I'm also doing my thing. There were just so many things that I was like, I appreciated that about the movie. It felt very real. And um, yeah, the scene with the father was probably my favorite scene as well, because I was like, this talk is so important. I think every parent should have that talk with their kid. The cool thing about this movie is that it's, and the book, you should, you should read the book. It's really good. Um, is that it's told from Elio's perspective. So because we're getting the perspective of this precocious 17 year old coming of age boy, um, who's just, just horny to be honest and just figuring out what he wants and what he likes, um, you're able to be in this, basically this bubble where where it's okay to explore and there's really no repercussions. His parents support him. Um, there's no this, there's no repercussions from society. Nothing is seen as bad. It's like this beautiful little bubble. If it was told from Oliver's um, perspective, it might be a different story, right? Oliver um, is 24 in the film. Elio is only 17. So Oliver's coming to this with a bit more life experience, a bit more knowledge of what might be not okay in society. So I think the fact that this is told from Elio's perspective and you're experiencing everything at the same time Elio does is what makes it so freeing. And um, that's also what has brought some criticism towards the film. So some people have said, you know, this is an idyllic world that doesn't exist, especially because it's set in the 80s when the AIDS pandemic was um, so heightened right so for two for these two men to be um engaging in this relationship in the 80s without any context of the society um around them a lot of people said you know it's not realistic and i see where they're coming from but just as a viewer i think that the film needs the bubble it needs this bubble of beautiful idyllic utopia to 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 work and for me that's what made it work if there was even there is a little moment at the very end where spoiler oliver tells elio that he's actually engaged and that he says something about how if his father found out about him and elio then he would have you know sent him off to a corrections facility or something like that that's the only moment in the entire film in the whole movie where you get any like glimpse of the outside world where it might not be okay to be gay Every, everything else is just like this beautiful little on like like fake world um, but it's also so real at the same time so I think that's important to note that's really important I actually kind of forgot about that um, I haven't seen the film in a while so to hear you say like you know I remember you know Oliver saying this to Elio and it kind of gives you a little bit of like it can kind of give you a what if because people really fall into those societal pressures. It's a whole other thing, right? Like if Oliver maybe didn't have this scare of his parents or what his parents think, you know, maybe Oliver feels like there's expectations because he maybe looks a certain way or acts a certain way. And it's like, if totally. this wasn't a thing, who knows? He maybe, maybe, maybe Elio was the one and they could have done this together, but also maybe he wasn't the one. Maybe he was just a lesson. Maybe he was just a moment and you... You, mo <laughs> you move on. It's fine. Just being a part of this commentary for the past few years, I've seen a lot of um, gay men in particular um, talking about this movie and how the father figure, Michael Stuhlbarg, the one who personally I love so much, mm -hmm. um, provided them with something they needed. The speech he gives at the end that we talked about, 
it was a speech they maybe didn't get from their fathers or their mothers or Absolutely. their guardian. And so I think in terms of where this film fits, I think it fits in a lot of different ways and it means a lot of different things to different people in the queer community. But from what I've seen, it's not even so much the romance between Elio and Oliver. It's the family dynamic. Elio is in a family of supportive, liberal-minded, free people who just, it's just, they just love each other. Like mm-hmm. it's, there's no, there's no pride. There's no ego. It's just love. And I think that that gave a lot of people an experience they didn't have when they were growing up or coming out or coming of age. Totally, totally agree. The family was just like in it. They were like, we're here for whoever you like. If you're going to watch it, there's this unbelievable scene at the very end exactly like Portrait of a Lady. And I think a lot of people make the comparison between these two movies where Elio is staring into a fire and Mm -hmm. the credits actually play over him just crying in front of the fire. Um, Sounds boring. Trust me, it is the least boring piece of film you'll ever watch. All right. So we love you. Call me by your name. Thank you for everything you've provided us. But Persis, what is movie number three? Oh my gosh. Okay. So Sarah hasn't seen this movie and I'm really, really going to try and get her to watch this because... It is a beautiful, beautiful movie. It's called Gia. To all my to all my girls who know Gia, raise your hand. My hands are raised, even though I've never seen it, but I know what it is. Okay, so I'm going to give you guys a brief summary about what Gia is. So Gia, it was actually a TV movie, strictly for TV, released in 1998, starring the woman of my dreams, Angelina Jolie. And it's a true, it's a true story. It's based on the very first supermodel. People kind of consider this woman like the very first supermodel, Gia Karanji. Gia travels to New York City with dreams of becoming this fashion model. And then when she arrives, she meets this agent. And it's a very interesting story because it highlights like so many highs and lows of her life. It's a story of like a young girl. I feel like she was 17 or something, like super young, moving to New York. She is kind of like a wild child. Like she has her own... um, thing going on. She's very rebellious. She was working at her dad's restaurant and then, but was very beautiful. Like Gia was a very, very known, like beautiful woman. And on a whim, she had like sent her headshots to a modeling agency that she had taken like one time when she was on a date with this guy. And the story just takes off from there. And it kind of highlights how she gets into a lot of drugs. She gets into the wrong crowd. You know, the modeling industry is at that time, especially Okay, so Gia died in 1986. Oh, wow. She was 26 years old when she died. Oh, my God, 26? Yeah. Okay, so she so she was active in the late 70s. Like, this was, so this was a time in the modeling career when it was, like, the late 70s to early 80s. Drugs were all the rage. Lots of stuff were happening. She just got addicted. And it's really, really sad because you find out. And like I said, spoiler. So listen, if you guys want to watch Gia and you don't want to know what happens, don't listen to this part. Why it gets really dark and sad is because you can just see how lost she is. And she just gets lost in this like addiction to, um, eventually it starts with cocaine and then she gets into heroin. And unfortunately she ends up dying from, um, an infected needle and she ends up getting AIDS. Oh no. Yeah. 
26. Oh my God. No, isn't that wild, Sarah? It's like she was so young. And I've seen the movie multiple times, guys. Like I've been watching Gia as young as like a teenager. So, cause I loved it. And I've watched, I still watch it like now. Like I will watch it with anybody because it was almost like such a low budget film, but did so well. And Angelina's performance is amazing. She won a Golden Globe for it. And it was one of the first. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was one of the first um, acting roles that she really got recognition for. And she even did this whole thing. She like, she said if she won the award, she would like jump in the pool at the Golden Globes and she did. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly, this sounds amazing. Like I, you've told me about Gia before and I'm super excited to watch it. Is there a scene that's your favorite? Well, to tie into the queer aspect of the movie, um, you find out that Gia is a lesbian. In the movie, it's really interesting because they don't make it very like obvious. Like in the beginning, she's dating a dude, but then she falls in love with a makeup artist when she's like on a modeling shoot. And apparently it was like love at first sight, this woman named Linda. Beautiful. Linda. But Linda had a boyfriend, but it was like this instant chemistry between the two of them. And you can see it in the movie. It was very like, we knew we loved each other from the moment we saw each other. And Linda eventually like leaves the boyfriend and Gia and her are dating and they're, it's very like, it gets very hot and heavy. <laughs> Basically there's mm-hmm. a lot. So for, for all you people who have a crush on Angelina Jolie, watch this movie because you'll see Angelina full nude, totally having sex like with this woman. It's very, they don't hold back. Oh my God. I think that alone will make people watch it. <laughs> But anyway, um, what's sad about it is that it shows how the drugs took over Gia's life, eventually getting to the point where she chose drugs over Linda because Linda couldn't handle it. Linda was like, you literally can either be with me or you take this other route. And that's where it gets really heavy. But if we're going to get into, because I know you haven't seen this, Sarah, but there's a particular scene in the movie where they kind of go through ups and downs. Like you see their relationship going through a lot of stuff. And then eventually they get to a really good point. And Gia kind of quits act, um, sorry, not acting. She quits modeling for a little bit, but then she starts getting really sick because of the infected needle that she had taken before. Mm. Um, and no one knows what it was, right? No one had heard of AIDS at that time. They didn't know what was wrong with her. And then, so she gets really sick. She's literally like not in a good place. Her and Linda go their separate ways. Um, And then there's a scene where Linda like really wants to try things with Gia again, but Gia doesn't want to tell Linda she's dying. Oh my God. Basically Linda's saying like, I got a summer house for us to start again. I really miss you. I want this to work with you. And I know you're clean and you're sober. And Gia just goes, yeah, no, like I would love that too. You have no idea how much I would love that with you. Doesn't say a word about that. She's like, dying she knows she doesn't have time does she and then does she i guess maybe spoiler does she die before she gets to the summer house no yeah yeah yeah. that's the last time you ever see them together it's like a scene with the two of them linda finally invites her over and she's like i want to see you you can see in the scene the acting is so good like the chemistry between the two of them i was like shook who plays linda who plays linda elizabeth mitchell yes So the chemistry between Angelina and Elizabeth Mitchell is huge. And yeah, it's so cute. Like you could see like uh, Linda like sets up all this stuff. She's like so excited to see her like long lost love who's like gone through so much stuff. Then to kind of say like, I want to start over. Like I want us to be good. And then, you know, Angelina's character is just like, yep, yep. We'll get there. I'll see you soon. And then basically like dies. 
Wow. It's very heavy. Um, this but- is the thing, guys. Like, Persis, um, Persis loves heavy movies. Like, I did. I don't know what it was. I think maybe because it made me just like see, I was also learning a lot. I think because I watched Gia's also as like a young, younger person. I don't know. I was just like, I appreciated seeing that and being like, whoa, this is, this is deep. Yeah. And your gay ass was like, oh, okay. First of all, Angelina Jolie is like the most beautiful woman in the world, but then also like, oh, they're together and they have a relationship. And even um, Angelina in an an interview said something like, oh, yeah, it wasn't hard to, like, act with Elizabeth. Like, I was already, like, attracted to her. I was like, "Mm." get a little hot and spicy. But beautiful movie. Um, Highly recommend. And like I said, the queer, it's almost like the queer story is really relevant, for sure. But they don't put so much emphasis on it. It's not even a big thing to be like, oh, she's a lesbian. It just kind of happens. And in the scene, someone... um, so weird how I remember this in particular, but uh, Gia's character is like dating a dude in the beginning or they're like casually seeing each other and he, they're like hooking up. They're like making out. And he goes, have you ever had sex with a man? And she's like, yeah, once. But it was basically like felt like hooking up with a German shepherd or something, some weird line like that. Oh, okay, okay. And then the guy goes, oh, okay. <laughs> so you can kind of get a sense that maybe Gia is not like really down for this dude. And then eventually when she meets Linda, it's like, she's crazy about this girl. She like chases her out of the apartment once, like totally naked when Linda's like, I have a boyfriend. I don't know what we did, but I need to go home. And Gia's like, no, like stay with me. Like I want you (laughs) kind of thing. It's Whoa, this sounds great. Okay. Purse moving on. What is movie number four? Brokeback Mountain. It's nobody's business but ours. This is a one-shot thing we got going on here. You know, it could be like this always. Yeah, this thing grabs hold of us again, we're dead. Yeah, so I feel like Brokeback Mountain is pretty much like, I don't know, it, it seems like a pretty obvious movie to be on this list, and I don't care because I love this movie. I think that, okay, first off, if you haven't seen Brokeback Mountain, it's set in the 60s. It's a story about two men, Ennis, I'm going to say Ennis, and Jack. Jack is played by Jake Gyllenhaal, Ennis is played by Heath Ledger, and they are both hired to look after sheep at a seasonal grazing range on this fictional mountain called Brokeback Mountain that's in Wyoming, and they fall in love, and they have a romantic relationship and a sexual relationship. They're also both married, Heath Ledger, character Ennis is married to Michelle Williams his real life um, wife in the movie and then Jake Gyllenhaal's character is married to Anne Hathaway in the movie so lots of big names this was it came out in 2005 and it was directed by Ang Lee it was nominated for best picture and I remember this was like a really big upset it lost to this movie called Crash, I think. But everyone thought that Brokeback Mountain was going to win. And it was this like huge upset thing. I have to say um, I loved Crash, though. Crash is a good movie. I actually never saw Crash. But every time I think of Crash, I'm like, that's the movie that beat out Brokeback. It is a movie that is about the struggle of being gay. Or the struggle of wanting to have a relationship with someone who's the same gender as you. Um I think that 
Um, we do have some movies on this list where kind of like what you were saying with Gia, it's not about the struggle. It's not about the taboo or the forbidden love. It's just about um, love and the reality of it. This is definitely a movie about like forbidden love. They fall in love, but they both know that it can never be a long-term relationship. They both go through a lot of turmoil because of the their relationship. Um, they turn to, to alcohol. They have bad relationships with their wives. They struggle because it's the 1960s and they live in Wyoming. So, and they're both like cowboys essentially. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if you're listening to this, you've probably seen Brokeback Mountain. It's just a beautiful movie in every way. Everything about it is beautiful. Um, do you have a favorite scene? Oh, okay. Um, I, I really think it's the scene where they hook up for the first time <laughs> in the tent. Like it, it isn't. It's very. It's like, very intense. Aggressive. It's very aggressive. Yeah, and I think the only reason why I'm really saying that is because. You could feel it. You could feel the characters, like that tension building. You wouldn't have known it before. Yeah, I think maybe when you're going to watch the movie, you know something's about to happen. But I think if we were in a real-life situation with these people, like, it's building up. And then eventually they're in this tent together. And it's like, okay, this is about to go down. And I think that's why I I felt that. I was like, whoa, that was real. (laughs) It's about to go down. It went down, yeah. The one scene that I always think of when I think of this movie is the scene where at the very end, spoiler alert, spoiler, is where Heath Ledger finds out that Jake Gyllenhaal's character, Jack, died. And mm-hmm. he he's hoping that they'll go on another, because um, when they go to watch the sheep, it's like a, um, I actually don't know how long those trips, it's like a whole trip. So they go for like a week or two weeks or whatever it is to go up on the mountain and watch the sheep and get them basically from one side of the mountain to the other. So he's he's hoping that Jack will be coming on the next trip. This the story, their love story goes, spans over decades, I think. Like they, by the time the story's over, they're like older. Mm-hmm. Um, and they when it starts, they're both young. So... Anyway, this I don't know if you remember, Purse, the scene where Heath Ledger finds out that Jake Gyllenhaal's character died and he, like, acting like it's no big deal. And then he goes around the corner and just loses it and he's, like, crying behind his cowboy hat. Do you remember that scene? Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah. That's the scene I always think of when I think of this movie. I also just think a lot about Heath Ledger and how good he was and how sad mm-hmm. it is that we lost him. But... Mm-hmm. um that scene just kind of, I don't know if it's my favorite scene, but it's the scene that always sticks out to me when I think of that movie. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite character? I want to say I think uh, I love Michelle Williams' character. Mm. I really feel for her. There was something about Michelle's character that I was like, I think you're just a lovely human <laughs> as a person. Like, I just think you're, you're, you, you have your heart's in the right place. You really love your husband. And she kind of was like, she knew something was going on. Yeah, she's in a complex situation because she she knows the truth because um, I don't know if you remember this scene, but she actually see she spots um, Jack and Ennis mm-hmm. uh, making making out like against the wall or something. Like she sees mm-hmm. she sees them, so she knows she has this family, she has this man she loves, she has these kids that she loves, and she's trying to just get through the day knowing that her husband is in love with someone else not only in love with someone else but in love with a man um and then every time he goes for like a, a fishing trip with jack or whatever it is like she knows the truth so yeah 
yeah, her her character is heartbreaking. But also, I think what's interesting about their relationship is when you watch it back, I think you'll see Ennis actually has a lot of love for her. And she has, oh, like, yeah. she has, they both have a lot of love for each other. And even though it's not like Ennis doesn't love Michelle Williams' character, like Heath Ledger does love Michelle Williams um, in real life and in this movie. But that love doesn't negate the love that he has for Jake Gyllenhaal's character. They can both exist. You know what I'm saying? They can That's, both exist yes. and they can both be different. And one can be more true and intense than the other, but they still can both exist. And he can have a family with Michelle Williams and just enjoy that life to a certain extent and still enjoy his time with Jack. So I think like she has an interesting spot in the plot. Yeah. Oh, of course. And I think that's, that goes along with so many aspects of life. Like I think like there's so many different forms of love that we've even talked about before in past episodes, right? Where that is so entirely possible. And especially when he's dealing with also the sexuality aspect, like it's a big one. So no, that makes sense. The whole movie is like, we're in love and we can't be in love. That's the whole, that's the whole premise of the movie. And then not only that, but then one of the people in the relationship dies because as far as we are told through the visuals in the film, he, he dies because he's gay. So I'm not saying that it doesn't have a, a great place in the, in the queer zeitgeist, but I have seen a bit of criticism. But I do think as much as it's important to have movies that aren't about the queer struggle... I think it's also important to have movies that are, you know? Yep. And I was just, that's what I was going to say next is that like, yes, I understand. And I've, I've been there where I'm kind of like, I just want a narrative where we don't always need to see that. I even kind of felt that most recently with Happiest Season. I actually loved that movie as a queer Christmas movie. I loved it. But there was a part of me yeah. that was like, oh, do we have to go go into the struggle of the queerness? But Mm -hmm. I understand those are also important because there's people who still are going through that. So I'm not going to be one to say we don't need that anymore. We clearly do. So I could see where people are coming from, but you know what? That's why we just need more queer movies in general. That's what I'm going to say. So it's like you have right. those stories that are important where people could relate to where there's those clear struggles because people go through it. But then there's also stories where we don't need to emphasize the struggle of queerness and coming out. Yeah. It's okay to have both. And actually, good point on bringing up Happiest Season. I'm kind of surprised that it's not on our list, to be honest. But another way to think about it is that there are a lot of people who last Christmas went home to their families and had to tell their families that they were gay. And maybe that was a scary thing for them. And maybe mm -hmm. it wasn't received well, or maybe it was. But regardless, like as much as I totally agree, we need more content that is not based on the struggle of being gay or being black or being a minority in any way this the struggle still exists and so it still needs to be told in some way there needs to be a balance because i'm sure there's multiple people out there who watched happiest season and they were like oh i relate to this yeah. i had to go home at christmas and tell and i was scared to tell my family and i hid it from them so there's like a reality to it and there's also there's also a place in in the um like movie and tv world for there to be just like happy relationships that don't need to be a struggle mm -hmm. and we're getting to that right it, it's evolving so i think that's that's what's most important it is it is evolving why do you think brokeback mountain made our list the acting is amazing oh my God, um the acting. jake gyllenhaal heath ledger gyllenhaal. rest in peace heath ledger oh it's it's so sad and i feel like we don't maybe want to get too much into it because it's really sad with that <laughs> aspect we're but we're gonna start crying but no i i 
they did both both did a phenomenal job this is kind of more on sarah's list in terms of her top queer like this is both of us collectively but this is kind of sarah brought this up to me movie number five on our list is the kids are all right Hey, Bug. Don't be back late. I know, I know. Come give us a hug before you go. Hugs. Hug her, that's what she's there for. Have you thought any more about making that call? That could really hurt Mom's feelings. How can you not even be curious about it? Each of my moms had a kid with your sperm. Like in both of them. I love this movie. Love this movie. So this one, I actually was kind of like surprised when we came up with it. And then I was like, oh, this has to be on the list because this movie is, um, it's really not a queer movie. It's more like a family, a family drama, I guess you could say, or a relationship drama. Um, the Kids Are All Right is about two kids who are conceived by artificial insemination by two women played by the incredible Julianne Moore and Annette Bening. So they are married and they bring two kids into the world. Anyway, in this movie, the kids are played by um, Josh Hutcherson and Maya Wasikowska, and they're awesome. And they, at this point in the movie, they're teens, and it's, I believe, Josh Hutcherson, especially, who wants to find his biological father, basically the guy who donated his sperm to be part of this artificial insemination. And turns out his biological father is Mark Ruffalo. Love Mark Ruffalo. I love Mark Ruffalo so much. I also love Julianne Moore and Annette Bening. So like those three as the three leads like make this movie for me. Um, But this is just awesome movie. It's written and directed by a woman as well. Shout out Lisa Cholodenko. And we wanted to include this movie mainly because it's, I think all the movies we've talked about so far have been about people discovering their sexuality or coming of age or kind of like struggling in some way. And this movie is about two wives, two women Mm -hmm. who are in a committed relationship, married with children, and they have a family and they have a beautiful life. They both are successful and um, quite well off. So they have this like it's like a classic family you would see in any... Any type of family drama, you're right. Like there wasn't, once again, I from what I remember from the movie, there was an emphasis on these are two moms. I think it was just like mom and mom, this is our life. Yeah. So it's pretty normalized. And what happens in the movie without spoiling too much is, well, kind of spoiling completely. (laughs) What happens in this movie is that the kids find the biological father, Mark Ruffalo, and he becomes kind of part of the family dynamic. He's this really cool LA dude who like does like organic farming and drives a motorcycle. He's super cool and super hot. And he comes into the family dynamic and then all of a sudden starts sleeping with Julianne Moore, one of the mm-hmm. wives. So it's just it's just one of those movies you gotta see. It's it's a great indie film. Um, and it just dives into not only the, the dynamics of a family, a same sex gendered family, and what it's like for two women to raise kids and what that means for the kids and for the parents. Um, but also how intricate sexuality can be and how Julianne Moore can be in love with her wife and still want to have sex with Mark Ruffalo. I just think it's one of those queer stories that is unique. It's not told often. And so we thought that it should be included in our list of top seven. Kind of exactly like you said, I think it's just the complications that come along with like everything that happens with Mark Ruffalo, the way the kids react, the way the wife reacts, 
you know, it's yeah, all Annette very... Bening's reaction. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> it's very, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's real. And it's almost very, um, it's you, comical. You... Yes. Yes. It's the, the reason why I love this movie is because it is definitely, it's heartfelt, but it's funny. Like, even though the concept of Julianne Moore cheating on her wife with Mark Ruffalo is sad because she's cheating. It's, they do it in a comic. It's funny. They, they make sexuality less, they put it on less of a pedestal and they make it more like fun and comical. No, totally, totally. And even just like the, oh, some of the scenes, like the dinner scene when they're like, Annette Bening is on one. She's almost, she's being almost like extra um, social and extra friendly to Mark Ruffalo. And you can just see Julianne Moore is like, it's like panic, total panic the entire time. It's great. Oh, the way this they- movie is so well cast, like the perfect cast. Even the kids, like those, like the actors who play the kids are so good. Shout out Josh Hutchison. Everyone's childhood crush. Everyone's childhood crush, even mine. And I'm pretty gay. And um, he was my... <laughs> <laughs> I had such a crush on Josh, Josh Hutcherson. You know what? You know what my favorite scene is? I'm what? telling you right now. It's the first time Mark Ruffalo and Julianne Moore have sex. It's so <laughs> funny. It, sh- it shows them in like every position. It's not sensual or romantic. It is just sex. And it's that's the comical part. And um, they're enjoying it, but like it's just a physical act and it's just so blunt and in your face. I love it. I think it's like probably the most memorable scene in the movie. Actually, I kind of love that you said that because I think that's kind of a cool point to make is that this whole affair she had with Mark Ruffalo, it didn't seem like it was this romantic, like sensual act she was like looking for in her relationship it was just like maybe purely the physical act and just like that attraction to mark ruffalo it was like it came out of nowhere she's probably like what is happening to me but this is kind of just what i want which i think is very interesting when we get into it yeah totally it's like an interesting case study in attraction right like it's not that she loves annette benning any less i i think yeah i would agree with you on that scene like i think that's it's hilarious because I can like picture it right now and I'm like, oh, I remember that it was all very like panicky. And I remember the gardener. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Yes. The gardener. <laughs> the gardener straight up knew this entire time what was going on. And Julian Marr was like, what, what do you do your, do your job? What are, you, what are you looking at? Why are you being weird? Kind of thing. To me, I like the normalization of showing this family together and the hardships that they go through, but they kind of like, or they work through it and they come out on the other side and it's just what it is. I think that's, that's where it could fit in to kind of show like, w- once again, like there wasn't emphasis on it. Even like when, um, when Julian cheated on Annette, it wasn't like, oh, I'm not gay anymore. Or it, it kind of felt, in, it kind of came along with like the fluidity aspect. It wasn't like, oh, are you not a lesbian because you slept with a man? It was like, I just had this like feeling, this urge, and it just happened, but it doesn't take away my love for you. And I think that's that's kind of what where life I think is sometimes headed, right? Like like we when we go into labels so much in this podcast, but some, just because you're in a lesbian relationship or you're dating a woman, that doesn't take away what other urges you could have or what feelings. And it also doesn't take the way the love. I think it's just like, sometimes things happen. We're human. 
And then why did it make our list? Why do we love this movie? Because it's a lighthearted movie. I think you watch yes. it and it's not all it. struggles. It's not it's not cowboys struggling on the mountain. It is just it's not two women who happy. are forbidden to love each other in the 1800s. It is <laughs> it is a light it is a lighthearted film between clearly a family who loves each other so much and they're grown kids, you know, one of the kids is going off to college, the other kids in high school. I loved that dynamic. And you know what? That's probably one of the first movies I'd really seen with two moms. It's, there's a lot of things to unpack in this movie. I think that if you haven't seen it, you got to watch it. It's just a fun movie. Like it's just, a, it's just a good watch. You'll love it. Agreed. Um, so purse, take it away with movie number six. Cause this one is all you, my friend. Everyone promises you happily ever after. But life turns into a different kind of fairy tale. Are you in love with someone else? Who is the lucky child? Imagine me and you, I do. I think about you day and night. It's only right to think about the one I love and hold you tight. So happy, so happy together. So this is why I love Imagine Me and You. So we're kind of on like that light, lighthearted pathway right now. And that is exactly what Imagine Me and You is. And I know so many people might look at that movie and think like how cheesy, it's a big lol, what is going on? But I would love to talk to my other queer friends about this to kind of think like, did you also feel something from Imagine Me and You? Because I don't know if it's one of those movies that would make you. I don't think they intended you to feel something, but you still kind of do. <laughs> okay, um, okay. So long story short, Imagine Me and You stars Piper Parabo. I already love my girl, Piper Parabo. And then uh-huh. Lena Headey, Hedy or Headey? I'm really sorry if I said that wrong. Matthew Good, Anthony Head. It's a, it's a fun cast. But to get into what Imagine Me and You is about, basically during – a wedding ceremony, um, Piper Parabo's character, Rachel, notices Luce, who's played by Lena Hetty. And, and Lena Hetty is basically the florist of the wedding. And Rachel notices Luce and instantly feels drawn to her. She can't understand why there's like this connection. And the two just become friends. Like there's kind of just like a connection that happens where they're like, you know what, we're just going to be like best friends. And Rachel learns that Luce is a lesbian and that kind of changes everything because when, while they're becoming friends, I think her initial reaction was like, oh, I'm really drawn to this girl, but maybe it's like a friend connection. Like maybe we're like, oh, we're like soulmates. There's like something where I'm like, I just want to be this girl's best friend. And I also just married the love of my life. Heck. Is that his name? His name's Heck. Oh God. Okay. (laughs) I thought you were being like, Heck. No. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> totally. But no, his name is Heck. So later, as they're hanging out, um, Rachel notices, oh, Luce is a lesbian. And then she's like, she kind of sees her in a different light. She's like all weird around her now. And she's very like, but not in the way because it's like, oh, she's a lesbian. Like, should I be weird around her? It's like, wait, I almost had comfort knowing maybe she was straight and we could be like best friends. But now that I know she's gay, I'm almost like, am I feeling something? <laughs> And then, okay. <laughs> you're so giggly talking about this movie I love it because it's so cute so long story short they literally fall in love like the two of them they <laughs> it's so cheesy but it's so good and they end up having this really passionate moment 
Rachel and Luce in the floral shop and Heck is like trying to buy floral <laughs> florals flowers. <laughs> also, is Heck played by Matthew Good? Yes. Just basically you watch this movie, you notice the love grows between them. That's clearly more than a friendship. Loki, Luce is freaking out because she's like, This girl, this woman is married. I'm in love with her, but she's married. Um, so I can't get invested. But Rachel is like, I'm married, but I think this is all about like I made the wrong decision. I need to go for this girl. It's so cute. And basically, at the end of the day, things happen when they're meant to be. And they were meant to be. There's a car scene. They run after each other. They embrace. They Rachel ends up divorcing Heck. Um, is that your favorite scene in the movie? My favorite scene is 100% when Luce is heartbroken. Luce, like, confides in her mom. <laughs> and her mom is like, honey, you are in love with a woman who's married. This is not good for you. And Luce is like, you're right. I'm going to go and leave the country and travel and figure my shit out. But then Rachel is like, has this realization. I need to be with Luce. Rachel chases Luce in a car. And then um, <laughs> the song Happy Together starts like playing. <laughs> Oh my god, I need to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, you'll love it. Anyway, I'm not going to give too much else away because we're spiraling. But basically, <laughs> basically, they totally fall in love and Heck gets it. The, the husband gets it. He's like... Aw, good job, Heck. He's like, I, and I kind of liked how they didn't make Heck a villain. You never dislike Heck. And as a raging lesbian, Aww. you might think... You naturally would dislike the man because you'd be like, can you get out of here? Like, let these two women live their life. But (laughs) true. at the end of the day, I never disliked Heck because I was like, Rachel needs to figure her shit out. Heck is a good guy. He's with his wife. He doesn't know. Yeah. He just got caught up in a bad situation, basically. Yeah. I also think I've never seen this movie, but it sounds everything you're saying and everything I've looked up about it sounds like just a very classic rom-com. It, it just sounds very familiar. And I think that it's cool that um, it's a familiar format. It's a genre we all know and love, but it's just got a twist and a twist that we don't see often, which is that the love story is between two women. Um, yep. Yeah. And I think that's cool to like put that into a very classic genre. Okay, Persis. I can't believe it, but somehow we have made it to the seventh movie on our list. I hope y'all are still with us. Because are you guys still here? <laughs> we <laughs> Just like, let us know if you're still here. But movie number seven, do you want to say it or do you want me to say it? I can intro and you, well, we'll do it together. Okay. One, two, three. Book smart. Book smart. Are we going to go to school or? What's two plus two? Isn't it crazy that it's the last day of school? Are you kidding me, Samantha? Go talk to her. I love Booksmart. I could watch this movie so many times. Have it in the background as I'm getting ready. Watch it seriously. Have it on while I go to work. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe I'll do that while I'm working. Um... (laughs) It's just Booksmart is just a masterpiece. It came out in 2019. It was directed by Olivia Wilde. I think it was her directorial debut. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was. 
I just fact-checked, and yes, it is. Um, and this movie is about two girls played by our girls Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Dever. On the eve of their high school graduation, they spent their entire high school lives striving to be these academic phenoms. They're best, best friends, and they realize on the night of their graduation, they spent their, they basically wasted their whole high school experience trying to be perfect and trying to be superstars, and they really should have spent some more time partying and having a good time. So they decide on this very last night, it's their last chance, they're going to go to a high school party and get wild, um, and realizing that they need to have some fun. And then, of course, as they go set off on this seemingly simple journey to go to a high school party, craziness uh, is in their path. Um, this <laughs> of course it so, is. It can't be easy. So I guess we should probably preface, if you haven't seen Booksmart, the reason why this is a queer film in our books is because Caitlin Dever is queer in the film. Um, she's out to her parents, but not openly out to like the other kids in the, in the school, I believe. And she has like a little, um, a little, oh my God, why am I saying it like that? Caitlin Dever has, um, like a love story in, in the arc of this film that we love. We love. It's like one of the best parts of the film. But it's a bit um, of an unexpected love story. You think it's going to go a certain way and then it turns. Boom. It turns when you least expect it. And... There's also other queer characters in the film who are amazing and hilarious and just give the film so much color and depth. But I think the main reason why we had this film on our list is because this is like Gen Z. This is um, everything we've talked about previously in our list of films has been either a period piece as far back as the 18th century or in... um, even like Imagine Me and You and The Kids Are All Right, those are movies about people who are a little older, who are figuring out their sexuality or, um, you know, going through the queer experience. But this is like this generation of kids in high school slash graduating now who have a totally different outlook on queerness. And you can just, it's just the pulse of this film is like, be whoever you are, be what you want to be. And there really are no boundaries. And so this is this was a really um, important film to add to the list. Absolutely. And I love, 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 love Beanie and Caitlin's friendship dynamic in the movie. Beanie is so like overachiever, like a little bit like too intense for this world, but like amazing. <laughs> and I loved her and Caitlin's dynamic with even how like Beanie can be, you know, she's looking out for Caitlin, right? She like wants the best for her and there's so many scenes in that movie where she's like, just go, if you're into Ryan, who's this girl who Caitlin has a crush on, it's like, go for her. Like, what are you holding back on? It's just, and it was so normalized, right? It was just like these two girls in high school, Caitlin is into women and it's like, doesn't even matter. It's like the friendship. It's like, you're talking about it as if you had a crush on a boy. And even when they're talking about having lesbian sex in their room and Caitlin has never done that before, but she's like saying how she's like, tried on her panda or something <laughs> it's just like really cute and beanie is so funny like the way she just acts it out is amazing where she's like trying to talk about how you finger a girl and she's like oh well just like picture it like doing it to yourself and then just reverse it it's just it's so cute and just so it's i'm so like i wish school. i had those conversations like imagine totally. being i was picturing me like I said, my friends are the most open-minded people. And you know what? I probably could have had those combos with them at 15 and didn't even realize it. 
but because I still exactly. didn't know myself, I didn't. Thinking about that being when you're young and you're so excited about a girl in your bedroom and you're like, oh my God, what do I do? And to have your friend being like, okay, let's talk about this. What should we do? It was just so normalized and I loved that about the, the film. Yeah, and then both Beanie and Caitlin get to have these like, um, romantic experiences in the film um, and both of them don't turn out great um, but then also plot twist they do so like okay I just really need to talk about the Hope and Amy scene because I that was amazing um, <laughs> because it was it was like <laughs> yeah I'm sure it was you're a little you're a little saying of course that was your favorite scene and I love it okay go on no because it was so cute because you know like you you see Amy like in the bathroom she's like heartbroken because her crush was making out with the dude and she's so sad because that's not how she expected it to go and then this hot girl rolls into the bathroom named Hope and they totally vibe but it's also hilarious because it just takes a turn and <laughs> basically <laughs> Amy ends up like throwing up on her because she's too drunk and it's just a whole mess but things happen for for anyone who hasn't seen the movie just give it a watch this movie is not about being queer this movie is about being best friends and friendship and what that means but the queer aspects of the story make it unique to the story and it makes it unique to this generation that Olivia Wilde kind of like put into a little time capsule for us and it gives us a little glimpse as two girls who were born in the 90s this gives us a glimpse into what it would be like to be um, a teenager now or even like an early 20s early 20 something now being born in the 2000s like it's just it's almost like a completely different world in terms of like what's okay and what's not I don't know, like there's just so, I just feel like there's so much representation packed into one movie. Um, it's not a queer movie, but it is, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. It it touches upon so much, which it can be like relatable to anybody. 100%. It really, really could be. doesn't matter if you're queer or not. You'll relate to this movie. But um, who's your favorite character? Oh, I'm going to be so classic if I say Hope is my favorite character. <laughs> it is though you can't lie it's not like like we said it's not technically a queer movie but queerness is part of the story in such a natural way that we mm -hmm. felt like it really needed to be included and I feel like it's the maybe the first in a new generation of movies that incorporate queerness without the struggle mm -hmm. even though she struggles in the first hookup with hope she does, but it, I kind of like that it's not a struggle on, like, am I gay or not? It's, like, the cutest struggle in, like, this is my first time hooking up with a girl, and I like her so much, and what the hell did I do? It didn't have to be, like, oh, my God, I did that. Should I have done that? Because my parents don't know. It had nothing to do with that. It was, like, oh, my yeah. God, what did I do? I don't know what to do. Purse, why did this movie make our list? Because I love Hope. <laughs> because Purse has a crush on Hope. What's Honestly, Hope's actual name? I'm going to grab it for you. Diana Silvers. Oh, you know already. I'm shocked. Is it Diana Silvers? Hold it's on. Diana Silvers, yeah. Do you know how she identifies in real life? No. She's only a few years older than you. Wow. Hey, Diana, if you stumbled across Girl on Girl, you're only a few years older than me. And my name is P. <laughs> Listen, she rhymes. <laughs> I didn't Silvers. even take in the rhyme.
It looks like she is. Um, <gasps> Wait, the I lesbian don't... model. She lesbian? If you search I think Diane, she might be. If you search Diana's silver sexuality, the first thing that comes up is the lesbian model is not single, but in a long-term relationship with a girl named Alex Hayner. They met when they were 18 and have been together since. Oh, looks like they're together, Sarah. Okay. Love it. Okay. I love it. Diana, I'm so happy for you. You're a little jealous. You're a little jealous. No, it's not meant to be. Um, Diana, I am happy for you and you, Mm. you Mm -hmm. do you, my girl. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I I will take away everything I said before because I respect you and your relationship. Purse. That was it. Those are seven movies. We really went through it. We love. So, guys, we we want to know: Are you mad about this list? What movies are we missing? There's a bunch. A few honorable mentions. Moonlight is one that we didn't put on here. Blue is the warmest color. Blue is the warmest color. That's a really popular one. Yeah. Below her mouth, maybe. I don't think a lot of people would say maybe it's a favorite, but to be honest, I liked Below Her Mouth. I'm gonna be one of those girls who said they liked it. Camille and I watched it together. And we kind of bonded when we watched it together. It's a okay. good, it's a movie you might want to watch with like a friend where you can just bond. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. I support that. Persis also mentioned Disobedience, which we didn't um, put on our list. There's Boy Erased, which came out recently. Sarah, we are not movie critiques. Um... <laughs> we didn't do any research for this. Um, yeah. There's so... that, that, there's that one that just came out. Um, 2020 what movie what's it called it's called sarah and persis oh my god (laughs) you're not supposed to tell anyone they told us not to tell anyone yet oh we're not allowed to oh no because it's not out yet (laughs) but it's supposed to come out in 2020 yeah but they delayed it because of covid covid oh no oh god i'm sorry (sighs) okay so that's embarrassing so just pretend you guys didn't hear that um and listen, any movies that you agree with, shoot us a DM, let us know. If there's movies that you're like, how the hell did you not talk about this movie? Also shoot us a DM and let us know. We'd love to know what you guys are watching. We'd love to know what you guys think about queer film and how queer film can expand and be better and um, be more inclusive. Um, and purse, we love movies. I love you. And this was really fun to talk about these films. It was really fun. And like, we went into a deep dive and Sarah, I love you too. And I miss watching these movies with you, um, you know, during these COVID times and we're separated. <laughs> Clearly, I would love to watch Gia with you over Scener or watch Imagine Me and You with you because I don't want to watch it without you. Aw, babe. Yeah, babe. Should we move on to in case you missed it? Yes, we should. So for anyone who hasn't listened to the pod before, every episode we do a little uh, cute little section at the end called in case you missed it. And we're basically just going to tell you about a moment you might have, you might have missed in um, queer pop culture in the past little while. And this one actually just went down very recently and it is very close to Persis's heart so <laughs> Persis I think that I think you can take this one on why are all these in case you missed it's like apparently so close to my heart 
Well, some of them have been more close to my heart, but like this one and the Demi one, this is the closest to your heart that it can get, if you ask me. You're right, actually. It's very, very, very close to my heart. So, Alexa. Hey, Alexa. Can you play First Position by Kehlani? Girl, let me put you on with something real. Wanna show you how it feels to rock with something trill. So come join me in this room, girl, this time. I know what you like, baby. Let me get you right. So everybody, this is very, very recent news. I had only stumbled across it through my TikTok scrolling schedule. Basically, singer and songwriter Kehlani, who I love and adore, has actually just recently revealed more about her sexuality in an Instagram live video. So basically, I've always known Kehlani as queer. That's, that's what I've known, and I love her for it. I relate to her music. I find her songs are very specific, especially for women loving women relationships, which I loved because Closeted Me didn't really have that at the time. But basically, Kehlani kind of publicly like said on the live, she's like, she posed the question to her fans. You want to know what's new about me? You guys are asking me what's new? I finally know I'm a lesbian. And I, we all, yeah. a round of applause. Her comment was also like backed up by another person on screen who was probably her friend who kind of said bomb drop and it was like a very quick moment but it was very like it was very authentic it was very like it was so quick I remember seeing it being like what and then the friend was just like bomb drop and listen at the end of the day we thought this was like a fun thing to like highlight because cool this just happened we don't really know much else Kaylani hasn't actually spoken out about her comment but it kind of goes along with like, maybe this, this is, we want to celebrate people feeling what they feel they are. And maybe it's a moment in time. Maybe it's forever. Maybe it's, who knows? But this is how Kehlani feels and I'm all about it and I love it. And I think we're all discovering parts about our sexuality every day. And Kehlani has also been someone who I think has been similar to Demi called out for you know, dating a lot of men, you know, like Kehlani's been an artist who's always been open about her queerness. So I don't know why people are also calling her out for outwardly dating men. It's so silly. This is one of my biggest pet peeves in life. But, you know, she, she has a baby with a man. She was dating YG for so long. And it's like, people were even saying- Party next door. Party next door. But people were like, how queer is Kehlani? Because I know she she dated a woman for a long time, kind of around the time when uh, she dropped Honey, which is about that woman. And then I, I guess since then had been outwardly dating men. We didn't know about any women she had been publicly dating. Once again, the public doesn't know any everything. She could have been dating other women. She could have been in an open. Who knows, right? But basically the public was there to judge her as the public likes to do. And... I just think this was amazing. I liked it. I think it's cool that she said that and that's how she's feeling. And listen, I have a crush on Kehlani and I love when my gals are all like, I'm on the girl train because like I'm there to support you. I'm the conductor of the train. So come and join it. (laughs) I was wondering when your crush for Kehlani would come up, Um, but she is the conductor of the train. Yes. And I really love that point you made about the fact that um, 
this is allowed to be a moment in time. I think a lot of times when people in the public eye make such a bold statement, such a bold, I'm making air quotes, statement, for example, I've realized I'm a lesbian. They have a lot of fear about that statement because they think they can't go back. They think later on they're not allowed to be like, oh, maybe I'm just, you know, bi. Maybe I'm just, you know, figuring out or fluid or maybe I am a lesbian or whatever it is. They There's like a fear that that label is almost too 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 intense or too far and in, in a certain direction and they can't backtrack if they ever wanted to which which as I say it of course feels so ridiculous but I think a lot of people have that fear which persists you also had that fear um yeah that you had that exact same fear and so I think it's a really good point that you made that this is awesome. This is this is already a queer artist who we already loved, who you already were planning to marry, who's now saying, I've realized I'm a lesbian. And you know what? If she comes back a year later and is like, well, I think I'm going to date a guy, that's also fine as well. Of course. And I don't get why people get so in, like wrapped up in it. Like, yes, you know what? People sent me that video being like, Kehlani just said she's a lesbian. And I was like, amazing. But I, I didn't feel that weird thing where I feel like a lot of people do where they're like, oh, she said she's a lesbian. Now she's locked in. She's a lesbian. Girl, you be what you want to be. You say what you feel. I don't care if you date a guy a year. That's not my business. Like, yeah, maybe if you break my heart and you end up dating a guy when I've been invested in you, sure, that might hurt me. But Kehlani, we don't know each other. And I'm just really happy for you that you're stating this and this is how you feel in the moment and like I'm all for it and like I said I'm the conductor of the train so hop aboard all aboard oh, sorry sorry you're the conductor of the train me yes oh I thought you were saying Kalani was the conductor of the train but you're the conductor no ma'am I'm the conductor <laughs> <laughs> I apologize I got that very wrong so basically I'm just trying to say I'm the conductor of the gay train and <laughs> Um, Demi just hopped on. Demi's, Demi's on right now. Wait, am I on the train? Um, you're not on the train. Kaylani's on the train. No, but I'm Sarah, like did you just announce you're gay? No, I'm talking about women who are, <laughs> oh no, this is going to turn into a fight. I'm I just talking... want to be like part of the train. Like, can I be the caboose? Just like hanging off the edge? You could be the, uh, you could be the refreshments provider. Oh, I'm actually okay with that. Everyone loves a good refreshment. Yeah. What do they call that? The, uh. The well, trolley girl? <laughs> yeah, it's a trolley. So you're the trolley girl. We got Demi. We got Kehlani. Who else is going to announce they're a lesbian? Come on the train. And it's okay. If you want to jump off the train at any point when you date a guy, go for it. I'll pick you up when you need me again. But if you don't need me, that's fine. <laughs> and best believe you will need me again. Whoa, that, could, that got really inspirational. That could be like a, a poster. All yeah, aboard I the lesbian train with Persis. Sign up if you want to go on. Should that be the title of this episode? Yes. All aboard the lesbian train? Yes. I'm just glad that I have some part in the train. I would have felt really left out if I wasn't even like part of the train mechanics no, at all. You're right. You're saying. right. I, I was yeah. wrong to say you're not a part of the train because our whole Thank podcast you. is about um, inclusivity. Inclusivity. Thank you. And yes, you're a trolley girl, but you're more than a trolley girl. You are the queer savior that the queer <laughs> you are you are the queer ally that we all need wow but also you know i'm just a trolley girl you guys i'm just a trolley girl and 
us trolley girls got to stick together. So if you feel like you're a trolley girl and you want to come along on the train, let us know. Yeah. Let us know, DM us, and we'll add you to the train. I don't know where the train is going because it's COVID and I don't have access to a train at the moment. I should probably uh, confirm, but I will get access to the train. Anything else you want to say about Kalani? Um, Kalani, uh, you're amazing. I love you. I love... I loved uh, It Was Good Until It Wasn't when it came out in May 2020. I listened to it front and back for very, very long times. Um, (laughs) Also, First Position, great song, underrated. Also, um, another good song is Distraction. Um, But if you haven't heard of Kalani and you're like, what is Kalani? And you just want like one song to listen to, it's got to be Honey, right? Put on Honey, have a great time, and then dive into the rest of her catalog because it is great. All right, Sarah, I think we've been talking for five hours at this point. Your girl's going to go celebrate her B-Day. Yeah. But I love you. I appreciate you. you. I appreciate Kalani. I appreciate everyone who was involved in these movies. I appreciate anyone who's still listening to this podcast. You guys, we love you so much. Thank you for tuning in. We see your messages. We're responding back to them. We're so grateful for you guys. And... Keep telling your friends about us. Feel free to leave us a review on Apple. Um, five stars or whatever stars you think we're worth. And um, if you have anything you want us to talk about, just shoot us a message and we will add it to the list. We love you so much, guys. Thank you again for tuning in. <laughs> love you, P. Love you, as. <laughs>